0: And welcome to the Adaptation Station podcast. This is your host, Nicole. I'm a former special education teacher and currently an ABA therapist at a private center. This podcast is filled with tips and tricks for not only being the best special education teacher you can be in the classroom, but living the best life you can live outside of the classroom as well. After all, I'm all about balance. Hope you guys are excited. Let's jump on in. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is all about math instruction. We know that math instruction is really important in our classrooms, but it can be hard to figure out how to utilize and fit in your math instruction, math centers, and math IEP goals. Luckily, I have a co-host who loves talking about math and I'm going to let her introduce herself now.
1: My name is Laura. I am Miss Lulu online and I teach in Utah in a self-contained special education setting.
0: And Laura's coming on today, and we're going to talk a little bit more about math instruction. And I'm really excited about this because we know that reading and math are the foundations of our kids' curriculum and the skills that they need, not just for academics, but for functional skills. But sometimes we lack the resources to really make that be applicable for our kids. And so Laura's going to come on and give us some ideas. So first, how do you take some more abstract concepts and make it connect for kids? I know that Like when I taught fractions unit it was really easy for me to take like a graham cracker and have kids break it into halves into quarters, but not everything that we need to teach in math is quite like as hands-on and engaging and exciting. So how do you take some more of those abstract concepts and bring them down to your students so they can connect?
1: Um, I think this is where you have to get kind of creative. So everything, every math skill that I teach, um, I start at that concrete level. So I really think that that is the foundation for our students. If they don't know what the skill is or why they're using it then it's they're never going to use it in real life and then we're not making it functional. So um, we just wrapped up like our decimals unit um, right before spring break and that one's a little bit easier because it's hands-on but we started with money so the students would use the actual coins and understand that, okay, 10 10 dimes is equal to a dollar or 10 tenths is the same as one whole. Um, So we started with that, and then we moved to a representational uh, model, which is more like pictures. So then at that point, we move over to like a a model with um, just squares. So like a hundred squares or 10 um, bars. And they would know how to fill in like 0.42. We fill in 42 of the squares. Um, And then at that point, once they got that down, then we can move to just the numbers. And so with every strategy that I teach, I move through that concrete representational abstract. Um, Sometimes I have to get creative because it's harder to to present it in that way. But um, even with like multiplication. So when we do multiplication, we do equal groups and we use objects and we split them up um, and then combine them back together. Or we use arrays where they're mapping out and drawing a picture. So there's a way to do it. It's just sometimes you have to really break down the skill and figure out what is it that they need to be able to see.
0: My next question that I think a lot of people get confused on is kind of not only like the the tips you just gave for putting math in the classroom, but then also how to work it into your day. And I know I hear a lot of people talk about direct math instruction versus math centers, and they're not the same thing. So can you help us kind of understand what the difference is and why each one is valuable in a classroom like the ones
1: that you work in? Yeah, so um, my direct math instruction is what I map out at the beginning of the year that ties into the standards that I'm teaching. So I'll make my pacing guide and I know I've got to hit multiplication, division, fractions, decimals, whatever those upper grade standards are. Um, and that is what I teach in small groups. So um, it's, not, it's not necessarily related to their IEP goal, this is extra, um, but we do that, that direct instruction um, in a small group for about 20 minutes a day. Um, and then I rotate. So then my students go to math centers. So I think the biggest difference is that the instruction is obviously where I'm teaching. It's teacher-directed, but then the math centers are that independent practice afterwards. Um, and so what I like to do is they, they see me, they do the direct instruction, and then they go to their math centers. Their math centers are first their IEP goal, whatever they're working on with their IEP goal, and sometimes that's independent or sometimes it's with a para or a peer tutor and then um, they do that direct practice from whatever skill I just taught. So independent practice from whatever we're working on in group and then the final math center that I do is review and that way we can just continue spiraling through everything through the whole year so that they're not forgetting, they're maintaining those skills.
0: I like how you explain that because that definitely makes sense on like how to transfer those skills just out of, we don't want them to sit at the teacher table, listen to you and then walk away and forget everything. So being able- To go into a center and continue to apply those skills it's just going to help them across the board and then i'm sure you run into this all the time i used to run into this constantly when you are doing a math concept not all of our students are going to master every concept that you're teaching in fact most of them probably won't master most of the concepts at least that was my experience because i had some pretty tough standards i had to teach in my classroom so how do you decide you know, if your fractions unit is ending and you have a student who still hasn't mastered, how do you decide if you just go ahead and push them into the next unit or how do you handle that scenario? Um,
1: I think that this is a conversation I have with teachers all the time and I really think the biggest thing is it's got to be a little bit of a mindset shift on our part because In special ed, we think, oh, we've got to teach to mastery, right? And IEP goals, yes, you want to teach them to mastery. But I don't necessarily think that our our day-to-day standards-based instruction always has to be to mastery um, at the same level for every student. Mm -hmm. So before, it takes a little bit of pre-planning, but before I start a unit, I look at the standard, um, and we use essential elements in Utah so they're based on there's four different linkage levels so it goes from like your um, students who are not really accessing general curriculum to the students who are more on target um and so what i do is i look at the student and i look at those linkage levels and i figure out what would be the most appropriate mastery goal for that student so they may be in my group um and we're working on fractions we did um adding and subtracting fractions last. That was fun. (laughs) Um, And so some of my students are able to do that at the target level where they can just add and subtract with like denominators. And some of them are at that lower level. And so at the end of the unit, if they've hit that lower level of mastery, then I move on anyway. So it just kind of depends on where they're at and what's the most appropriate thing for them. I think that's
0: another good point to make is there is again, that difference between, The math iep goals and when you're talking about a curriculum because the curriculum is not individually designed for the student it's the same curriculum for all students and i think sometimes people who maybe are only working on math iep goals as the entire concept of math in their classroom don't maybe understand that you're talking about like a statewide curriculum that wasn't customized to the student or their needs so they are two different things but that leads us right into our next question What does that look like when you maybe have a student in your class who on their IEP, they have a money goal and a time goal and an addition fact fluency goal, but your unit is graphing. How are you finding time to work on all of that in the day?
1: The things we juggle. (laughs) Um, And I think what you were saying about the difference between, you know, we're just doing IEP instruction all day versus actually teaching Um, to a pacing guide or to standards. I think that that took me a while to wrap my brain around too. And so I know new teachers are probably just so overwhelmed with trying to hit IEP goals. But I do think it's important that we give our students access to things outside of their IEP as well. So that's why I think math instruction is so important. Um, But like I said, most of my direct math instruction is in small groups. My IEP goal instruction is not usually in small groups because I usually can't group IEP goals they're very individualized and so I don't ever have students that are really working on the same goal. Um, If I have students with a functional math IEP goal we usually hit that at a completely different class period like during our functional skills class period or if I can make it work into math centers then that first center that they do is related to their math goal. So um, right now I have three students with word problem goals And that works out really well for centers because I can teach that at the beginning of the year. um, And as I teach each operation in my math group, so once we get through multiplication, I add it into their word problems. Mm -hmm. So they're just maintaining it and I can get data on that while they're working on it by themselves. So that works out really well, but sometimes you've got to get creative when they don't fit into your instruction. So yeah, a lot of that I just do one-on-one and it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour a day. It's just a quick probe. Even every other day is reasonable in my classroom. So,
0: yes, and that's what I did in my classroom as well. For morning work, we did independent work, and I would try and insert, especially those math and reading IEP goals in there to get more opportunities for practice once we had taught it. Because usually I would have, at some point, like a money unit. So we were doing direct instruction, and then they might do it in math centers, but then another student might continue to do it for independent work the entire year because it was an IEP goal as well. So it's just really looking at not saying like oh all of our math goals have to be hit during a time that says math on our schedule. There might be times where it's a functional
1: time or it's an independent work time and that's when you're plugging in some of those math goals as well. Right and I always have the students who really don't fit in into that math group at all and so they're kind of are doing their own IEP goal all year round you know on their own one-on-one and that's what's most appropriate for them and so that makes the most sense. Absolutely. And
0: I imagine that's a time that you pull in your pairs as well to help support. Yes, people. yep. Yes, pairs can definitely really help you get that instruction in, especially if they're in yes. direct instruction and then they
1: can carry it on to more some more independent work. So yeah, yeah, my pairs are amazing. Couldn't do it without them. <laughs> Did
0: you have anything else that you wanted to share for teachers who are kind of looking forward to how to best weave math instruction into their classroom?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing is just to to take the time up front and do some of that pre-planning and think about each student because the, the program might not be designed for your population. I mean, I don't, I use a gen ed program for my students with cognitive disabilities and it's a jump so I can't just teach it from the book. And so I think that's where most of us are at. There's not really a great curriculum that we can go out and use as is. So I think take that pre-planning upfront, look at each student, um, figure out how you can make it really concrete to start because they've got to have that foundation. When I was in college, I worked at a group home setting. Um, and I, I think about this like every day. Um, one of my clients, she was in her 40s maybe. One night she pulled out a subtraction worksheet and was like, I'm just gonna brush up on my skills. And so she did this worksheet and I mean, she could do it, but she couldn't use that skill in real life. Like when we went to the grocery store, she didn't know if she had enough money to make a purchase. Yeah. And so I just think about all the time, like make sure you're not just teaching your students to solve a problem that they don't know when they need to use it. So yeah. if they don't have that foundation, yeah, they're just, it's not functional and we're all about being functional. So <laughs> Absolutely. And that's a good thing to take on point because you know
0: for a lot of our students it's a lot more overwhelming to stand at a counter and there's so much stimuli in a store it's not the same thing as just counting pictures of money
1: right
0: on. so definitely, yeah definitely real life application so layer. <laughs> like you said it's just yeah, a lot definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep well thank you so much for coming on this episode I will have her social media information linked in the show notes and I hope you all enjoy awesome thanks for having me Thank you for listening to my podcast if you like what you heard I'd greatly appreciate if you left me some feedback and if you want to hear more go ahead and give me a follow while you're at it come say hi on social media you can find me at adaptation station on instagram facebook pinterest and you can visit me at adaptationstation.net I can't wait to bring you guys the next episode and I'll talk again soon